Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. This program offers discussion and information on experiences of chronic and invisible illnesses. It should not be used for medical advice or as an alternative to advice from medical professionals. Good evening. You're tuned in to Chronically Chilled on 3CR. Um, my name is Mario. Um, before we get started, I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, whose land we broadcast from um, today. Um, joining me is a very special guest, Naomi Cheney. Naomi, I think you were on the radio like two hours ago. <laughs> I, I was, yes, very unexpectedly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Naomi is a writer and media producer on disability and feminism with MECFS. Mm-hmm. Welcome and thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. So later on, we'll be talking about Netflix's new series, Afflicted, Mm, um, and explore some of the really damaging messages and themes that came out of that. Yes, yes. Um, But before we do that, I thought we could have a conversation about social model or disability. Mm. Um, I know you've spoken about it in the past a little bit, um, and I just wanted to have a conversation just around how it relates to people with chronic and invisible illness. Yeah, yeah. Um, So just for listeners that aren't familiar... Can you briefly describe the social model of disability and what it kind of aims to do? Well, the social model of disability is really a reaction to what we call the medical model of disability, uh, where disability is really defined as a a personal tragedy, which doctors may or may not be able to to fix as such. Fix, I put in inverted commas. Um, And, yeah, I think this is still a very sort of prevalent idea of what, what disability is. Uh, the social model views it a little bit differently. So the idea is that um, disability is a normal part of life and the social model is the idea that you have, you know, your your illness or your injury or whatever it is that causes your disability is actually, uh, we refer to that as an impairment. Mm-hmm. And disability is actually the relationship between an impairment and the social structures in which you live. So disability is really created by those, the social structures as opposed to the impairment. So if you use a wheelchair uh, and there is a ramp, then you still have access to things. So that's, that sort of uh, alleviates the disability, I guess, because there is a social solution there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so it's just a, it's a much more socialist way of looking at it, I suppose, the social model is. Do you think that the social model is responsive to people with chronic and invisible illness? I think uh, so. My issue with the social model, uh, mm. I think it's I think it's very it's a step forward mm. from where the medical model was. I think no matter what kind of disability you have, there's there's usually some sort of social improvement that could be made. Yeah. But uh, I think there are a lot of different kinds of disabilities, illnesses. Um, and I think it's particularly prevalent when it's, say, mental illness or, or a chronic illness. It becomes a lot more apparent that the impairment itself is actually what's preventing access to society as opposed mm. to society kind of blocking access through social means. Yeah. Uh, so I think, um, for me, I think a combination of the two models that we've, that we've yeah. had is really, is really the way forward or perhaps a new model 
that kind of incorporates is a bit more inclusive, I guess. Yeah. 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 Cause when I was thinking about it as well, I'm just like, it's really sound. It, it's really good in mm. many ways, but it's just like, it's my body that most of the time stops me from doing things. Yeah. You know? I mean, as and you said, I, I have chronic fatigue syndrome yeah. or, or myalgic encephalomyelitis. Mm. It's, it's also called, um, so, you know, fatigue obviously is a huge part of that. Pain mm. is a huge part of that. And I think those are two things that, you know, there's no particular social solution to those things. Yeah. I would I would much rather that they develop medication for me, that yeah. they do the research, that they that they find the cure as such. Uh, but I think, yeah, like um, that sort of framework doesn't work for everybody. So I think the social model is still really, really important. Mm. Uh, I don't want to kind of downplay um, what that does for a lot of people, but I think it needs to be acknowledged that it is not all inclusive of all people with disabilities. That that some people have a combination of things that they need sorted out. Yeah, and and for for many of us who are kind of living with chronic illness, mm. the medical model still plays a really big role in terms of our lives, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think um, I think it's important not to confuse the medical model of disability with medicine as yeah. such, because I think a lot of people. I think it's rare that there is a disability where taking some sort of medication is not helpful mm. <laughs> or that there is, you know, no role for, for doctors and medicine in that. Yeah. Um, I think what's what we were really trying to get away from by going from the medical model to the social model mm. is this idea that uh, that being able-bodied is normal as such mm. and that there is an ideal of normal to aspire to. Uh, so a lot of, you know, that, that that sort of diversity can actually be a normal part of life, of society. Yeah. Uh, and I think, yeah, the medical model kind of holds up an ideal of normal, which I think needs mm. to be challenged. But at the same time, you know, there's a, there's a difference between being different and being ill. Yeah. Uh, like, I don't think anyone who's had the flu would actually say, well, you know, to permanently have the flu would just be a, a range of difference. Mm. Um, and that's something, you know, the flu is something that my particular disability is compared to a bit in terms of what it feels like. Yeah. Uh, and I can honestly say, yeah, that's not a difference that I am comfortable saying that yeah, I, yeah. that I want to be a permanent part of my life. I mean, yeah. it may be if they don't come up with a cure, but, mm. and you know, I've come to a place of acceptance about that, but at the same time, yeah, if there was a cure available, I would take it tomorrow. <laughs> it's, it's not sort of part of my identity as such. Yeah. 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 Um, so identity is another interesting one because mm, mm. that um, social model of disability mm. kind of it's it's seen as very much I'm going to be proud of it and you know yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, where definitely. for me I'm a bit like you, <laughs> like if I could find something that's going to kind of make yeah, me feel yeah. better, I'm going to kind of take it and yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, things like fatigue and pain, I'm going to come back to this. And I think mm. there's a lot of things to do, like depression as well as another mm. one. I don't think anyone wants to be depressed yeah. permanently. This is something that people would happily not feel. Yeah. Um, but these things do cause disability. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, there's that, that thing of identity where, you know, for some people it's just my, my body is different mm. and I want to be comfortable with that. I don't want to feel ashamed of that. And I think, you know, I know a few people, and this is just an example, but I know a few people with um, cerebral palsy mm. as an example um, who are very proud of their bodies as they are. And I think yeah. that's that's really positive and that's an important thing. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, it's, it's again, I'm, I'm not going to, if I feel nauseated, <laughs> I'm yeah. not going to be proud of my nausea. Yeah, um, and I think yeah. I feel like people should just be able, able to identify how they want to identify. 
And and that's really important, I think. Yeah. Mm. So if you want to be proud, be proud. Mm. If you want a cure, then you want a cure and that's okay. Or if you're somewhere in the middle, which is what I kind of am sometimes. Yeah, I I feel like I'm in the middle too. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, There's definitely... I have different feelings on different days about it. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Um, So the other part is um, the social model also Mm. kind of challenges unhelpful attitudes towards people with disability. Yeah. Um, And kind of discrimination that occurs as well. Yeah. Do you think that there's a difference in of how discrimination occurs for people with chronic illness as opposed to other forms of disability? Well, I think um, it really depends on what the stigma is. Mm. I think... For people with invisible disability, uh, there can often be that attitude of it's not real, it's in your head. It's, you know, and I'm, I'm talking specifically about physical disabilities mm. here. Um, and there can be, you, you know, the, the stigma comes when you can't access services that you need, like, say, the NDIS or the mm. DSP, so because people don't think it's real. So I think that, you know, that sort of discrimination is, is a bit specific to invisible conditions whereas you might find you know your access to those things are blocked in different ways if you have other kinds of disabilities uh you know i'm people who who look different are often infantilized i think um and we don't we sort of escape that by Mm. you know looking in inverted commas normal as such uh so i think there's yeah there's different definitely different kinds of discrimination Mm. that you face with different things and i i feel like for me personally and i wanted to get your thoughts but Mm. for me it's almost like there's an implied ability. So it's kind of like yeah. there's this, a discrimination because people should, you just are expected to do a lot of stuff that. And, you and can't. I think there's, yeah. there's a real kind of anger directed towards people who mm. are not meeting those perceived responsibilities yeah. as such. Uh, yeah, like one thing I find is that people. People seem to think, oh, if, you know, if I was chronically ill, I would just have a holiday. Like I've been told <laughs> yes. that by people and I'm like, no, like people get angry at you, yeah, if you yeah, 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 when yeah. you're not active, like, and it's boring to not be active as well. Like yeah. this is, you know, you want to get out there and do things yeah. and you can't necessarily do them. Um, so yeah, it's, it's like the actual feeling is nothing like taking a holiday. Yeah. Uh, Cause we actually love being in bed every day and yeah, you know. <laughs> like there's this, there's this idea that you're attached to your illness even like it's, and it's like, no, that's not what it feels like at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like that this is part of my identity and I'm attached to this and I yeah, yeah. I need to feel like which this again here. it creates another layer of mm. like it's I think it's harder for people with invisible conditions to incorporate that into their identity the way that you might if it, you know that sort of pride idea. Yeah. Because if you do that, again there's this additional anger directed at you. Yeah, like how dare you identify with this when you're clearly there's nothing wrong with you. Mm. Uh so it's yeah, like you, you get that sort of those additional feelings from society that are particularly about it being invisible. Yeah, and yeah. and kind of there's always an invitation to strive to be better in some ways. Yeah, but like yeah. with an assumption that you're actually not already striving to try and feel yeah. better. <laughs> like I mean, <laughs> I I think there's there's this idea that you you have a responsibility to seek out a cure mm. like and there's all these sort of ideas about you know yoga will fix you your diet will fix you yeah you know whatever quack therapies are out there they will they will fix you and you have to try all of them but then at the same time there's also this sort of backlash against you know you're trying unscientific things why wouldn't you go to a real doctor yeah uh which of course all of us have yes you know that's your first port of call when you get sick as you yeah. go to the doctor so everyone's been through that process of being diagnosed mm. and you know medical science telling us there's nothing we can do 
or you know depending on the illness like yeah. there's there's some sometimes things that can be done but it's yeah, like people people go through that whole process before trying alternative therapies. But mm. you get you get judged for trying alternative therapies, but you also get judged <laughs> for not trying alternative therapies. Yeah, it's a bind regardless. Yeah. It's a bind regardless. Yeah. yeah. Um, so before you you mentioned that um, you're kind of advocating for a new model in some mm. ways. Mm. Just very briefly, <laughs> well, what do you think that might what, look like? What would that look like? Yeah, I think it's. It's just acknowledging the diversity of what people need mm. uh, that I think really, really acknowledging what I'm trying to think of the right way to say this. Sorry. <laughs> no, uh, right. Yeah. Just, just acknowledging what people actually want as mm. opposed to what society thinks you should have. Like there's a lot of pressure on people who use a wheelchair to walk. Like the idea is that you should want to walk. Yeah. Um, Whereas it might actually be easier for someone to use a wheelchair. Like it's, you know, it's this idea that you, you know, if you get out of the chair, you've escaped from the chair, but maybe walking is really painful for some people. Yeah. They need the chair because it's not because they can't walk, but because it's really painful to walk. So it's, yeah. um, you know, that's just one example. So it's about sort of turning it around and focusing on what does that person actually want rather than trying to fix that person. Mm. Um, and for some people that will be medical care that will be, they will be fighting for research into their conditions so that there, there is, you know, a cure maybe sometime in the future. Whereas for people with other disabilities, it's about restructuring the environment. So it's more accessible. So yeah. it's, it's about really listening to people. Mm. So I guess, yeah, I guess the listening model, yeah. <laughs> we can call that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Would you say, would you say that, um, there has been a bit of an inclusion, I guess, of, all these like different disabilities being now recognized within the disability kind of. I think it's moving community. in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say where I don't always feel fully included. Okay. Um, I will say in, in disability rights mm. circles. Um, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. It depends on the event and who's running it. And yep. Sometimes there's a really conscious effort made to be more inclusive of, of a greater variety of, of different, different sort of impairments. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I do, I do feel like it's moving in the right direction. I mm. feel like there's progress. Oh, cool. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back in just a sec. 3CR is in the running to receive nearly $100,000 to help us retrofit our station for greater accessibility. That means better handrails, doors, taps, ramps. And more to provide improved access for everyone. But we need your support. Do you live within five kilometres of the station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy? If you do, you're eligible to vote for us. Our project is part of the Victorian State Government's Pick My Project scheme. And you can jump online and vote for 3CR's Community Radio Accessibility Project by going to 3cr.org.au. It's only with your vote that we can receive this important funding to make our station more accessible. You're listening to Chronically Chilled on 3CR. Um, today we've got Naomi Cheney with us, um, writer and media producer on disability and feminism um, with MECFS. Um, so, Naomi, affliction. Afflicted. Uh, afflicted. Yes. <laughs> the, new, the new Netflix docuseries. Yep. Yeah. Where do you want to start with this? <laughs> 
Oh, dear Lord. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, for anyone not aware, there is a new docuseries out on, on Netflix called Afflicted. Yeah. Uh, and it's about people with various chronic illnesses. And I think, uh, from my perspective, this is one of the most unethical pieces of journalism or documentary making that I have kind of witnessed. Especially as a media maker yourself. As a media maker myself, yeah. Yeah, and someone who was focused on disability. Uh, so... To to sum it up, basically they've they've focused on seven people with with various largely unexplained illnesses. Mm. Um, there is some scientific research in going into some some of the illnesses portrayed there, which was uh, interestingly left out of the docu series. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they've they've specifically chosen illnesses that are not fully understood yet by science, um, and basically raise the question is it all in their heads and not really answered it uh so it's sort of you're left with the assumption that yeah maybe it's all in their heads um and in order to kind of do this they've they've really done a lot of editing to portray people in a negative light mm. so people have have uh been a part of this docuseries to try and raise awareness about their particular illnesses, yeah. try and make people feel not so alone. Mm. Uh, and they've ended up kind of being created as a, as a villain in the, in their yeah. own story. Um, there was a serious lack of empathy, wasn't there? there was, in terms of how people yeah. were portrayed in that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah and it, there was a lot of focus on <clears throat> the families um, and how having having a sick person in your family affects the family, like financially, how it affects them um, emotionally as well. And it's it was a little bit dehumanising uh, mm. for the actual people with the illnesses, mm. just because it, it became about them as, as sort of the the object of of you know of being a burden on your family. Yeah. Um, and then when you've kind of combined that with this question, is it real? Like it's like they've intentionally been mm. like this is an intentional act on their part. Um, and I think like having been through the experience of being diagnosed with a chronic illness and seeing the impact it's had on my own family, um, yeah, like that's a really damaging narrative mm. to focus on. And I think like a lot of the family's quotes were taken out of context as well to mm. kind of really boost up this narrative of, of they are a burden. Um, when I think, you know, in reality, a lot of these families, a lot of the partners are actually quite supportive yeah. <laughs> um, of their, of their family members who are ill, um, and there was focus on they sort of misrepresented people's finances, misrepresented relationships. Mm. It's yeah, like there's some of the participants have actually written essays on exactly how they were misquoted or yeah, how they were which their quotes really were taken great. out of context anyway. Yeah, which is really great. Yeah, I think um, they've responded well as a as a group to kind of try yeah. and fight the stigma that's mm. potentially gonna come out of this. But I mean it's really disheartening because it's you know, awareness is coming along very slowly in this area, mm. I think. And for a documentary like this to come out, it really just, it pushes everything back. It's, yeah. it's on such a high profile platform. Yeah. To, I really tried to watch it all and I couldn't. Um, yeah. But <laughs> from what I did watch, I'm just, it, it just, it was the formula that it just seemed exactly the same as all the other medical shows and stuff that are out there. Like you've got these people who are objectified, and put on display and then it's up to the general public to make judgments about them and to it was really whether they're going to believe to judge. it really was a huge invitation to judge these yeah. people's lives and yeah. to are they are they right are they wrong are they really sick are they not sick you know is it all mm. in their heads you know all this kind of stuff you were and talking it's about it's very gaslighting like it's mm. um 
you know, it's it's questioning these people's personal experiences of their own illnesses. And, you know, they they actually left out a number of diagnoses of, like, um, immune disorders that, that mm. people had, like things that were actually more tangible and more understood by medicine. They, they literally just didn't speak about those diagnoses. Yeah. So they left it to the... Yeah, like it was it was a real invitation for judgment that was not necessary. Like there was a lot of facts that they could have included that they chose not to. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, and it doesn't do this the stigma already of mental illness very like it doesn't help the stigma of mental well, illness either. Well, this is just in it. terms like, of how it was portrayed. It was awful. Yeah, like by by taking people with physical chronic illnesses and saying, "Oh, they're just crazy." Like what what does that say about mental illness? It's not taking it very seriously. Mm. It's opening it up to judgment. Like if you're just crazy, that means you can be judged for just being crazy. Like it's it doesn't take mental illness very seriously at all. So yeah. it's and what they don't mention is they actually each of the participants actually had to have a psychological evaluation before they were allowed in the series. So mm. actually raising this question of do they actually have mental illnesses is yeah. incredibly unethical because yeah. they already know the answer to that. They've done the evaluations. Um, so it's, mm. yeah. And again, yeah, it's playing into the stigma on mental illness at the same time. So it's kind of taking down two communities. That's with right. Really negative that's, what I've, that's kind of what, what I kind of noticed when I was watching it. Mm. Um, mm. And I, when I was watching it, I was kind of going, you know, we've we've in our society we always talk about the deserving and the undeserving. You yes, know, the yeah, deserving poor or undeserving that. poor. And it's kind of I think what happens with chronic illness and disabilities. It was the way it was very much portrayed in this is like these people are the undeserving Yeah. You know, and they're people. receiving hate mail now. Like yeah. very, very sick people are receiving hate mail yeah. because of the way that they're portrayed in the series. Like it's just awful. Mm. Yeah. yeah. What was the reaction? So I know that the people who were in it um, have since written essays and and come mm. out really strongly, kind of saying that they were misrepresented and stuff. Mm. Um, what was the? Do you know what the reaction was to them saying that? That they were misrepresented. Mm. Um, well, I can. Yeah, I've been following it on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> this has been this has been my education on Twitter. Actually, I kind of became aware of this and and got a bit more involved on that platform. Uh, but. Yeah, you're sort of seeing people are seeing the essays and going, "Oh, I didn't realize." Like once mm. they've once they've read the essays, they're like, "Oh gosh, I'm so sorry that you were misrepresented this yeah. way." Uh, and it helps that they've all sort of they've collated all the essays together, so that's it's all seven of them kind of yeah. backing each other up on, "Yeah, this, you know, it was it was unethical mm. uh, production practices." So it's you know they're really supporting each other in the aftermath, which is really fantastic. Yeah. But the thing is, like, it needs to, people actually need to go onto social media or mm. Google those essays. Yeah. Uh, so you need people who have watched the show to actually go that extra step. Yes. To find out what the real deal was. Uh, so there could be a lot of people, like family members of chronically ill people, maybe, who watch mm. this and then go, you know, judge people in their lives because yes. they see similarities in the situations. Yeah. So I think it's, like, yeah, it's a, it's a really dangerous mm. thing for them to have done. Yeah. And, and, um, just looking at the time. Um, mm. The other the other <laughs> thing about it as well is that I, I've read some things. There was some criticism about why are these people chasing diagnoses and, you know, they're trying every mm. – yeah. Diagnoses matter to people. Yeah, you know? yeah. They're really important. Like if you, if you have a whole bunch of symptoms yeah. and you don't have a diagnosis, like you, you start to feel like you are actually imagining – like That's it, yeah. You, you, can, you can feel like you are going a little bit crazy. Yeah. Uh, and – Having the diagnosis, at least, even if there's nothing that can be done, at least someone in a position of authority has said, yes, we acknowledge what is happening. Yeah. We acknowledge your reality. Yeah. 
uh, which makes it makes a massive difference to you to your mental health. Yeah, like this it, is, bring, it yeah. brings a lot of relief and heal. You can the healing stuff stuff can start. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like even if even if the illness can't be cured, at least yeah, your reality is confirmed. Yeah, by you know, and it makes it also makes a huge difference in whether or not you get access to the things that you need. Like even if there's, I mean, in Australia, for example, without a diagnosis, you can't get the DSP. You can't get the NDIS. Yeah. You can't, you can't get, you know, help from the council yeah. to, to, you know, if you need help with the housework or whatever, like yeah. there's, there's all these things that people desperately need. Like if a lot of people with illnesses are in financial straits, they can't, um, you know, they can't support themselves. Yeah, so totally. this is, this is so, so, so important to have the diagnosis because yeah. it means that you get access to what you need access to. Cool. All right, we've run out of time. Okay. <laughs> Let's go on so <laughs> we quickly. could keep going. <laughs> um, just quickly, do you want to plug anything? Like, what are you up to? You know, that stuff. Oh, yeah. So on a completely uh, different note, I'm working <laughs> on a, a short film currently, which is going to be in the other film festival, which is in Melbourne. Uh, it's called Gaslit, uh, and it will be in part of the festival in November this year. Cool. Thank you so much for coming in, Naomi. Um, it was great to have me. you. We'll see you next time.